Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal, where normal is shifting every day. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and during this time of coronavirus uncertainty, sheltering at home and social isolation, I'm bringing you a special series of helpful insights and practices from body-focused practitioners in order to keep you healthy, protected, and calm beyond face masks and hand sanitizer. Today, my guest is Sabine Mead, somatic movement artist, teacher, and practitioner, and we're going to be talking about From Me to We, how to create an intimate relationship between our own inner landscape and the ones we live in. Sabine Mead blends improvisational dance, yoga, writing, and the fluid somatic practice of continuum in her inquiry and expressive work with groups and individuals. So welcome, Sabine. Thank you, Sharon. Great to be here. It's Earth Day today, so it's the perfect day (laughs) to be talking to you about creating a deeper relationship with Mother Earth and all of her creatures, including viruses. Indeed, it is. It is. And I I appreciate that um, opportunity to reframe what's going on. Yeah. So um, right now... While we humans are staying indoors, the natural world around us seems to be thriving. Skies are clearing without pollution, waters are clearing, less noise, I'm noticing the birds. So how, what is your feeling about, about um, how nature is receiving humans' absence? Well, I think this was her grand plan all along, um, and um, using that pronoun, um, lightly because um i think that the potency of this body this planet body we call gaia and earth is is um is astronomically magnificent and we are being reminded of that by this thing we're calling COVID 19 um these uh microorganisms that we um, cohabitate with and who have been on the earth much longer than we have. And, um, I, I think we're being, we're, we're being given an, an enormous, um, opportunity to, um, really restructure. And, you know, a lot of people call the earth mother. Um, and I think she is giving us a mothering moment in our, um, in the scale of our human existence, this is a mothering moment where you, you, um, you have a moment where you have to pull your child aside and say, Hey, you know, <laughs> this is not okay. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, this is a very, a very multi layered and dimensional situation we're finding ourselves in. But if we can dial back our, um, awareness and and kind of open up the aperture of our view we can see that there's there's a lot of benefits to what's been happening and as you just mentioned the earth is in such an incredible state of thriving and so are the humans um many of us are getting rest that we are have much needed and time to ourselves to self-reflect many of us are getting to enjoy the out of doors um, you know, and be in nature and realize that, that we are nature, that we aren't, we aren't really in it or on it, but we are it. And if you can drop down deep 
deeper below the surface, you can actually feel, I'm going to say, the, the radiance that's coming out of the earth. You can feel that in yourself. Hmm. So, when, so when people say or when you say we are nature, you know, mm-hmm. what, how, do, how do you experience that? Or how do you help people experience mm-hmm themselves Mm. as being a part of the natural world not separate from but really the same made of the same substances responding to the same cues um i'm gonna just back up one step and say that um in continuum um we talk about the three anatomies the cultural anatomy the primordial anatomy and the cosmic anatomy. And as far as the cultural anatomy, when we're using the word anatomy as, as a way to describe structure. And um, so when we look at the cultural structure, our cultural structure for quite a while now, you know, a good 2000 years um, or more has been pushing us up the body and to the left until our self-referent what we call a self is really identified with the left brain. And um, that has been happening, you know, over this long period of time. And it really started with Plato and Aristotle and, and those, those minds that brought through a certain kind of logic or orientation to logic that had to do with reason and rationale and objective you know, scientific objectivism. And we've kind of objectified ourselves to the nth degree at this point. And so if we want to try to, you know, as a continuum teacher or as a somatic practitioner, we want to try to bring people back online with the right side of the brain, let alone the whole body, then we have to acknowledge where we're starting from. And we're starting from a very... um a, a very strong orientation that has a lot of preference, that has a lot of um, separation in its in its perspective. Um, so we have to be aware of the fact that we're even perceiving anything and everything as an object, and including ourselves, um, as a separate entity. Right. When you know the ancient wisdom from many cultures. Um, really points to everything as a unified field. Everything is one. And really what we're experiencing is a differentiation in that field. So I'm a differentiated energy in the unified field of the whole organism, as are you, as is every individual, as is every tree, every blade of grass, every flower, every rock, every chair or car everything is a different expression in the differentiated field of energy so if we can start to you know we can talk about this until the cows come home but the beautiful the beautiful thing about continuum is it gives you a felt sense experience of what i call the differentiated field and i'm, I'm just using that word a lot in my teaching um because I, I'm, I'm, I find that language is really important, and Emily was very particular about this, the words we use, and she was masterful at coming up with language to describe the context. Um, 
Absolutely. And reality. You're ta- and you're talking about Emily Conrad, the founder of this work, Continuum. I am. I yes. am. And so part I just, of... I just want to say about language, you know, it's very interesting to me that some people are referring to this period as a quarantine, some people are referring to it as a lockdown, and some people are referring to it as shelter at home, and as our mayor in Los Angeles is calling it, safer at home. And so each of those words um, brings up a different experience of how you are doing the same thing, basically being at home, staying at home. But each one of those words um, really affects how you uh, how you experience what you're doing. And so what you're saying about language is so, 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 so true. It is. And, you know, language really is, um, it's our greatest gift. I mean, the, the humans, the, it's the greatest thing we've created is language. I mean, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be able to think without it we wouldn't be able to speak without it um and and so it is this it is our legacy um to the greater to the greater field of consciousness in some ways um is this capacity to um identify and language and articulate nuances um in this differentiated field and to be able to self-reflect and be self-aware and then express that um you know in my experience, arriving here as an earthling, um, my deep soul wants to incarnate as fully as possible and behold the world. Mm-hmm. And and this is why I love to write because that's just part of the way that I let, that I express what I behold and how I behold and how it how it moves me. And of course, the other way is that I move it. I I behold this fig tree that I'm sitting next to right now and I can just allow my body to respond to the fig tree as a, as another expression of a being in, in the differentiated field of, of our larger unity. And the unity goes, you know, everywhere, pervasively, all over the planet, in every direction, into the soil, into the air, into the rocks, you know, into all the elements that express themselves, but it also goes beyond the planet, you know, out into the cosmos. Um, there is no boundary um, to the unified field. It's just an an infinite expression of many, many different forms. Um, so I think language is a tremendous, I mean, you know, poetry is like the most, I think the most articulate language we've come up with to um, express the ineffable. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. and, and, to, and to circle back to your first question, which is about the virus, you know, this is an opportunity for us to return to the mystery. Um, we've been so busy in our cultural anatomy doing and going and being efficient and all this external orientation in life that we have lost our relationship to our inner cosmos or inner world mm-hmm. or just our inter- our interiority and this is where the mystery really is and this is where we can find um, relationship to ourselves and through that relationship to everything and everyone else 
everywhere. Absolutely. Um, and so that requires a certain kind of deep listening. It does. It does. And, you know, continuum is not the only practice that cultivates deep listening, um, mm-hmm. but it is a gorgeous practice that cultivates deep listening, um, especially for those of us who really need some kind of transition from our what we call normal reality or what I call the cultural anatomy um, to that interiority, that place of listening. And for me, what Continuum brought me and what my improvisational dance brought me to is a way to move into stillness. So um, I had to kind of, you know, I kind of arrived on the planet with a lot of energy. I don't, you know, I'm naturally caffeinated. I don't need to drink that. I'm, so for me, I need to sort of squeeze the sponge of my, uh, my, m- m- just the energy I mm-hmm, have every mm-hmm. day so that I can, I can find a more quiescent state. And the quiescent state is really the place of receptivity. And um, this is what I think the, our current uh, 21st century human is really in a crisis of receptivity. Um, mm, say more. I feel that um, the speed, you know, mm-hmm. Emily Conrad, um, she, one of her quotes that has really reverberated in my head is, speed is the Antichrist. Hmm. Um, and so what, what she meant by that was when we're always going really fast and we're just ticking off the to-do list and we're, you know, we're just filling our days with plans instead of opening to the moment and being alive with what is arriving then we we're not we're not in a receptive mode we're living in we're living our our sort of um projected uh plans for the future mm-hmm. um and imaginings for the future rather than just arriving in the present moment and being be, being in that constant place of arrival and meeting what is meeting us and allowing what is meeting us to meet us and so much relationship between people is suffering because people don't know how to receive each other anymore. Mm. Their systems are so tight and so compressed and so nervous. And, you know, we talk a lot in our 21st century culture about safety. This is a big thing, mm-hmm, safety. Yes. And I'm, I'm really in a deep inquiry with safety. What does it mean to be safe? And, you know, when does safety, being safe, just completely um, repress any possibility of living life? When does safety take over, you know, risk and courage and joy and, mm. and adventure and newness and, you know, um, willingness to experience uh, the mystery. You can't experience the mystery if you want to be safe. Like, it's just not possible. They don't, they don't go together. <laughs> so, and yet, and yet we have to, we have to find a balance because without some sort of grounding, without some sort of safety, um, people can't take risks or won't take risks. And, you know, we're finding that a lot right now during this time where, you know, it's like, what does it take for me to feel safe in this uncertain circumstance to be be able to either go inward or you know 
venture into into a new exploration. But if there's too much stasis, then like you say, we we won't we won't have courage, we won't take risk, we won't go beyond that feeling of of um of ground. I like to think of it as ground more than safety. Something to push yes, off from. I, yes, and I think that's I mean, I'm definitely sort of speaking to the latter of what you are just articulated. And I also agree with you um, that ground is a, is different than safety, um, but also a different way of looking at it. And I hope that individuals are taking this opportunity to ponder just that, you know, what, what do I need to feel safe right now? What, mm-hmm. what does it really mean to feel safe? And again, when our self referent is, is who we think we are, if that's, kind of externally localized on, you know, things outside of us, our value is outside of us, our worth, our love, our acceptance. If that's all outside of us and it's not intrinsically sourced, then it's really quite impossible to feel safe in oneself. And um, trusting, you know, there's this lot of talk about trusting ourselves now as well what does it mean to trust ourselves and i think that's also an excellent inquiry right now um well, what does that mean for each individual right and to get back to this larger topic that we're talking about you know from me to we you know trusting mm-hmm. myself is also trusting myself within the environment whatever environment i'm in and especially within yes. the natural environment trusting myself yes. to be well, part of it and to be yes. informed by it yes well yes and and mm, what's taken us out of the natural environment um in to a great degree, in my view, is is a fear of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at this point, kind of a um, the way our culture has sort of sanitized death and pushed it off to the side. So it's not really something that we're familiar with in a very on a very day to day basis. Or so um, so when you when you have a culture that's you know doesn't really understand what death is and therefore is afraid of it, then it's really difficult to ask that the individuals of that culture to trust themselves because death is the other side of life. It is, it's the polarity and the balance. And it's something we are, we are, we are constantly living through the cycle of life and death all the time. And this is another gift, if you will, in my view of this virus is that it's, it's an opportunity for each of us to really sit with our relationship to death and, and, and uh, see where we're at with it at this point in ourselves. Right. And um, I, th- I think of the relationship as being between life and death and rebirth. Because when, mm-hmm, we, when mm-hmm. we reach into the natural world, when we look out of our window, when we see you know, the life that's around us, it's always regenerating itself. Now, maybe the same flower will not return, but another flower will come from that plant or from another plant. 
And so that idea of rebirth, that idea of something new yet coming is also part of the, the cycle of life and death. It is. And it's so beautiful when, when you allow yourself to slow down and actually watch how the earth is doing mm-hmm. the deathing and the rebirthing. What's happened for me in my inquiry with this is to really learn to trust that, you know, like the earth is exquisite at deathing and she does it beautifully. Like it's actually beautiful to me to see how she composts, how the mycelium um, and the fungus breaks and the microorganisms break things down and new life grows out of that. Um, So if human beings can kind of reacquaint themselves, reconnect themselves to this larger process, as you're putting it, of, of life, death, and rebirth, because that's happening all the time, you know, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Things are, things come into being, they go out of being, and something new comes, whether something it's relationship new, or... Yeah. Something new always comes. Something new always comes, yeah. exactly. So, you know, if we can foster... Um, a felt sense experience of the fabric of the unified field of Mm -hmm. this differentiated field, then if we can feel the connection to we, that we, that each one of us is not an isolated separate entity walking, you know, making footsteps on the earth, but is actually connected into the ground, connected to the air that we breathe, connected to the light we're receiving from the sun then we can start to trust that experience as being real. But it does bring up very big um, existential questions. Like, <laughs> oh, like, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, yeah. exactly. Like, we, you have to be willing to, yeah. to live the mystery. You have to be willing to sit with, you know, like I think I, I'm 58. I have a child. Both of my parents passed in the last two years. And I have two older sisters, one of which who has grandchildren. And I'm seeing like, oh, right. Like there's how there's there's one way that the life of me moves forward. I am such a product of my parents and very similar to my father. And with his recent passing, have been in a deep, um, a deep meditation with that. Mm -hmm. And then really seeing how my children are you know, pieces of me, pieces of my partner. And it's just that larger view, you know, when our, when we can back up and open the aperture of our view to be a, a broader bandwidth, to be a larger container, then life doesn't look so scary. But when your view becomes small and myopic and, you know, kind of narrowed down in, then of course you're going to be terrified because you've forgotten to look at, you know, to look at and live from that larger view. And, you know, the virus to me is, you know, uh, inviting us all to look at the reality of our mortality. And um, what do you want to do with this one wild and perfect life, as Mary Oliver said, you know? How do you, what do you, what do you want to, what do you want to give to the world? Um, if if it is, I mean, even just pondering the possibility that the unified field is true and 
the differentiated field is true, then what do you want to leave as your personal vibration in this field of energy? Or what, what kind of expression, what kind of song do you want to leave here on the, in, in the music of the spheres? You know, that's, that's how I'm thinking of it at this point in my life. I mean, each life is a work of art. Each, each person's life is, is art in, in, a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, the way we love, the way we love is, an, is, an, is, is art in a way. Yes. Um, it's, it's one of the most profound pieces of art that we make is how we love. And, um, and I'm not talking quantity here. I'm really talking quality. Um, yes. yes. And again, that loops me back to receptivity and so much of the suffering that I have worked with both in groups and individuals, is people's inability to give and receive love, more often receive love. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of work right there, right at that frontier. Um, Mm. And if I can get people to feel that they are a larger context in and among larger contexts, in and among even larger contexts, on and on and on and out, and then even in, in and in and in, that there's more, there's more inside of us. You know, Brian Swim, the cosmologist, says we're the middle-sized object of the universe, the human <laughs> being. Yeah. I mean, that's just like blows my mind. I can't even get my mind on that. Um, so, so I want to, re- I want to remind people or em- empower people to, to be the magnificent incarnation that they are. That's so wonderful, and I'm, and this seems like a perfect place, if you could, to bring us mm-hmm. into some sort of experiential exercise so that people can actually have an experience, if only a small one for this, for this time, of what, of what you're speaking to. Yeah, so um, in, in the practice of continuum, um, we... There's five elements of sensation, attention, breath, movement, and sound. And movement and sound are really, they're both frequency. You know, frequency moves, particles and waves, they move. And then sound is also particle and wave. So if you think about it that way, there's there's not that much difference between movement and sound. And this is why we love to dance and we, we love to listen to music and we automatically start moving to it. So I have found just making some simple sounds help me right away. Um, I do this often when I'm preparing for meditation is I'll just take a couple of O sounds, maybe five or six. So inhaling through the nose, exhaling, making an O. O. And it doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be forceful. It can be very quiet. But in continuum, we're not so much interested in how that sound sounds. We're interested in how it feels. We want to feel the sound. So, so if the you vibration, can, the, it, the, the reverberation yeah. of the sound. Yeah, the felt sensation of the sound. We want to feel that vibration, that reverberation through the body. And um, the body's water, most of it. So it's going to conduct that and we're going to feel that vibration. And if you do this enough, you're going to really start to notice that you feel it more and more and more. So I would sit and I would 
um, just invite you to take a couple of these sounds, inhaling through the nose, exhaling through the mouth. And if you want to take a couple of breaths, normal breaths in between, that's fine. And I would also invite you to let your eyes be closed so your attention can be on your experience, your felt sense experience. And then after that, after you do five or six of those, just notice if that O sound, all the vowels make space and all the consonants fill the space. So if we can make make an O sound, it opens up the space. And when I'm saying that, I'm talking about the energetic space of our own body and the field around us. Of course, we're not separate from the field around us. So you're going to feel it around your body as much as in your body. And take a few moments just to sit quietly and notice how you feel after those O sounds. And then I'm going to invite you to try a different sound because it's going to feel different. And this is a simple sound. It's S-H. So it's that sound we use when we're telling somebody to be quiet. But we're doing it, you know, just on the exhale, taking a nice full inhale with the nose, exhaling out through the mouth. And as you're exhaling that sh sound, see if you can allow your sense of yourself expanding into the space around you. So your body's not going to really expand, obviously, but there's this intention or idea that you can spread out into the space around you. So like right now, I'm in my backyard. So I might take that sh breath and just start to, in my imagination, see myself spreading out along the grass and in between the trees and over around the lilac bush and down into the ground and up into the sky and up into the clouds. I mean, I don't know how far you'll go. Maybe you'll go, you know, <laughs> who knows, out into space. Yeah. But the idea is to begin to allow your organism to become more permeable and porous and lose some of that holding and grabbing we do to ourselves so that we can feel ourselves more. So that's what I would invite people to do as an exercise, to just try try this um, way of being in one. You know, we have, a, we have an interiority that is so vast within ourselves, but, and then we are surrounded by vastness. So in one way, that's what we are. You know, we're just a, a point of arrival in the vastness. Oh, I love that. I love that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I look at the human body as an incarnational masterpiece. And it's such an incredible gift to be inhabiting this incredible, this incredible organism that can have so much sensation and so much possibility in terms of what it can do um, and what it can feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, not just sensorily, but emotionally. I mean, it's, it's an extraordinary opportunity being, being a human being. Um, and that's something I think the virus can remind us as well. And an ever-changing, you know? and an ever-changing organism. 
you know, yeah. from moment to moment to moment to moment, we are ever changing. Yeah. We are. We are. We're doing that 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 cycle of living and dying and rebirthing. And, you know, the moment is living and dying and rebirthing. You know, it, it's the, the, the kind of the profundity of our experience is extraordinary. It's beyond words, really. I mean, we try to articulate yes, we it. Yes, but try. It's, we try. Um, we try. That's what art does is it tries. But it's and, and, and it's it's miraculous when we transmit that, you know, in an artistic way. Um, but we can also do it in our own simple human way by just um, gazing with loving eyes at somebody that we, you know, that we meet or that we do deeply love. Um, I hope that this virus takes us into a much more deeply loving capacity. Um, I think the earth is trying to support us in being much more deeply loving and not quite so fearful of each other. Um, I know we need to be careful and, and safe. Um, we don't want to create more people dying. And at the same time, living is is um, the gift at hand um, and it's really about how do we want to live how do we want to live in ourselves and how do we want to live with each other to me that's what this moment is all about beautiful beautiful Sabine, can you tell our listeners how they can reach you, uh, find out more about you, work with you? You can um, reach me directly at my email, which is resonant, R-E-S-O-N-A-N-T-B-O-D-Y, resonantbody at me.com, which is also my website, resonantbody.com, which is another way to go and just find out what I'm up to. Um, I've been teaching online since 2017, so I have several things that I'm doing there on an ongoing basis. Um, and yeah, always just and you are based, in the inquiry. And you are based where? I am in Durham, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, and in the in the sunny blue sky today, and very grateful. Mm. <laughs> So wonderful. This has been a fascinating conversation, a very, very engaged conversation. I so appreciate your perspective and the way in which you really do help lead people into the felt sense of everything that you're talking about. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you for the opportunity. And I deeply appreciate what you are doing and offering the world through your podcast and everything else you create. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Likewise. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about change. If you like our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. It helps our audience to grow. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWeilAuthor.com. You can also find out more about the Changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Dare to bring new ideas forward. Our world needs you right now.